get up in a bath of ice I'm a victim of an organized You know it is true You know this time you're never gonna get it But you've already stole my heart Yeah, you ripped it and tore it apart you know Welcome to Cutthroat Queen's podcast Where we only eat sardines and pineapple on pizza we're here to take an open and honest look at all things indie horror. My name is Brett Mitchell-Kent, and I'm joined by the five-time world record holder for most bottles of balsamic dressing drank in under a minute, Elton Skelter, and an empty sock drawer that fell off someone's truck and dented my car, Chelsea Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Hi! Hi! <laughs> that was a good intro for Chelsea. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm truly blessed. I just I reach into the the soul of the person and just pull out who they really are. You are That's quite it. good at that. Yeah. So, what have you all been doing this month? I'm uh, you already know, but I'm going to be pretty much useless because I have done almost everything that I've read or consumed has been behind the scenes type shit, where it's like betaing or I got to edit Elton Skelter's new oh. collection. Oh. Which yeah. is, um fucking Talk about that. it was so How good was it? it was a, incredible but i know that like i'm biased or whatever but i would not say that i loved it if i didn't love it and i did love it i loved so many of the stories there's like two stories that i didn't edit so i i may or may not have read them in the time that you know we've been friends but it's kind of intense there's some disgusting shit in it <laughs> but it's gay as hell it's Hell Super yeah. queer centric. It has gay villains, gay side characters, gay protagonists. Everybody's gay. Everybody's fantastic. It's got a lot of heart. It's really tackling some gay issues in a disgusting way. Um, I'm sorry, Elton. I know this makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And I, I'm glad that I got to edit it and read it. But thank it, you for editing it, by the way. It's it's wonderful that you did that. How was your Thank first you. time editing? Was was that your first time, like officially? I, I mean, it's the first it, how, like yeah. official one, I guess, where I was credited for it. But it, I mean, it was fine. It was easy because I loved the the stories. So I'm, I imagine it would be worse if I didn't like what I was reading. And a bit of background on it as well. I uh, I decided to release it like overnight. I gave Brett like less than two weeks to actually edit the entire thing and uh he pulled it out of his ass in about three days so what and now he has an imdb page because he's an official editor <laughs> elton's crying oh it's so emotional what when when is it out where can people get it what's it called okay it's called let's get fucked up and die which is a um a song title from motion city soundtrack that i've been obsessed with for about 20 years um, and I just thought that kind of encapsulated everything that I wanted to say about that book, that collection, because it, uh, it basically, that's just the theme of it. Everyone does fucked up things and they all die. So that's what you're in for. Um, it came out on Godless on the 19th of August in ebook only, and it releases on Amazon on the 2nd of September in paperback wow. and ebook. That'll be like days after this comes out. So everybody go get it. Absolutely. I'm so excited to get the little physical copy. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Mass market paperback size. So it's like four by six inches or something. It's really small, but it's really cute. And uh, I 
chose the off-white pages and stuff to make it look a bit more vintage. So it's, I like it. I'm trying to... Does somebody cover that song? Well, let's get fucked up today. Yeah. I don't know. Is it the one that's like, I'm speaking figuratively? Yes, of course. it is. Oh, I love that song. I didn't know that was them. Yeah, Motion City soundtrack. I must have like downloaded that illegally <laughs> in college. And like I downloaded it as like Alkaline Trio or something. And in my head, it was uh, always, you know what I mean? Like I think yeah. it was like mislabeled. And so I never knew it was them. It's funny. Yeah, it's weird. I've never, ever heard of them. But I went to see um, All American Rejects in Portsmouth in 2006, 2006, wow. 2007. And, um, and they were one of the support bands. And I was just obsessed with them after that. So cool. Yeah. I think they played at my college back in the day. I should have gone. I would have heard the song that I didn't know you was that. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations, Ellen. I'm really excited for you. I'm Thanks. proud of you. I can't wait. I'm for proud of you to too, Brett. I didn't do anything, but I she will be proud of you. you when you finally write that fucking novella, Chelsea. Yeah, I we're putting you on screen right now, Chelsea. Well, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea is an exceptionally lazy writer. She <laughs> she writes she she can write a short story, but it will take her a long time, and she is so dramatic about it. I'm not. I literally this not. novella. She has been putting it off for months now, so we are putting her on blast. And each month, we are going to check back in, and we're going to see how oh you're doing, my Chelsea. God. So the entire. Uh, listening audience of Cutthroat Queens is now going to be behind you waiting for this book. What if it sucks? All pressure. It, it's not going to, but I am just very excited for the concept. I'm not going to share your concept, but the uh. the thing is we can celebrate all of the beautiful things that Elton writes, but I want to celebrate what Chelsea writes. So Chelsea has to write it. Yeah. Chelsea does so much beta reading for for. Beta, beta, beta reading. Beta, so reading. beta reading of so many of our friends, and uh, she's in just loads of anthologies that we read and stuff. But we, she never really gets a lot of shout outs. She's always just kind of that's not true. We like talk it. about that's not true. I get too many shout outs. We need to talk no. about Brett. Let's talk about Brett. <laughs> no, we'll circle back. No. Um, so. Anyway. If Brett's uh, Brett also, are you open for editing requests as like a side hustle? How do you yeah, feel? Yeah, yeah, I'm willing. Um, it's just you know, he's very good to work with. He's very, very thorough. And um, even if you just need like a a line check and a proof copy, he's just yes, meticulous. I read his manuscript before he sent it to the publisher, which got accepted, and it was basically flawless oh. as an unedited piece. So he he has the eye. He's got the skill. So. Yeah, if you need anyone, he's your man. All right, circle back. Let's <laughs> Chelsea, what did you do? <laughs> okay, this month I read a tiny little collection called 19 Little Stab Wounds. Um, and I picked this up from Alexis Dubon at StokerCon. Um, she was selling it at the table that had Dreadstone Press, Hungry Shadows, and Cursed Morsels. So she was with those guys. Um, saw in her collection of microfiction. At the time, all the proceeds from the sales she was making at StokerCon were going to like a victim protection fund um, for victims of abuse. So I was happy to support the covers, like freaking eye catching as all hell. It's so cool. Um, 
And so I finally just picked it up and I read it basically in one day. It was so good. And anyone who knows me in collections or anthologies, I'm always like, it takes me a while to get through them. But this one, I was just like one after another. Um, I love her prose. It's so beautiful. It's like very, a lot. most of it is very sad. Um, it feels like very full of like pain. There's a lot of like grief and trauma, horror. Um, there's also content warnings in the back for people who may be not into that. But um, her writing is just fantastic. Um, and I've had the pleasure of kind of becoming her friend um, in the past couple of months. Um, she doesn't sell this book on Amazon or, or any bookstores like that. So I messaged her and I was like, well, I want to talk about your book. So what can I say? Um, and the timing works out because today there was a big announcement um, from Tenebris Press. They're taking over parts of Dreadstone as like an imprint. But anyway, currently you can buy all of the Dreadstone Press books, which include the Split Scream series um, and some other things. Um, you can buy 19 Little Stab Wounds from them. And now the proceeds from buying 19 Little Stab Wounds go to the Maui Strong Fund to um, support them recovering from the Maui wildfires. Which so, I love that. Also so very I, close I can to buy my it heart. right now, like at the moment? Um, yes. Remember uh, that you were talking about this when you got back. And I'm like, crap, I wanted to ask you to buy me one when you were at Stoker. And I think i was supposed to message on on twitter and i don't twitter know or something I did i don't know i was like listen all of us have adhd don't hold anybody don't hold them to the fire on that yeah we're um, all children of so at least now i can get poisoning. it yes now you can get it i'll send you the link you can actually buy it on dreadstone's website for now and it's something like if you buy it in addition to other books. I think it's like $3. And if you buy it on its own, it's five. Um, but all of the money is going to help them recover in Maui, which is a very good, good cause. And Brett, I think you'll really love the story. I think all listeners would love it. I'm like, so when you say like flash and microfiction, what's what's the kind of word counts we're looking at here? How many pages for each piece sort of? Ooh, super small. I would say like maybe the longest thing was flash in here and let's see maybe it's this one maybe like six or seven really small pages so it's perfect for like if you have a short attention span but you really want to get something like cool and emotional and connect with it quickly yes like there's a poem in here that is eight lines long and i was like that's the saddest thing i've ever read but <laughs> i was like shit i think i literally messaged her and i was like um you're breaking me <laughs> she's like no um <laughs> But yeah, go out and support Alexis as a writer. Um, and then also, you know, kudos to indie horror writers doing things for the greater good. She also yeah, edit, was a co-editor editor for No Trouble at All, which probably a lot of our listeners have heard of. I think we've talked about it before. Um, but yeah, that's what I read and I was blown away. So kudos. Cool. Yeah. Did you read anything, Elton? No, no, I was too busy. <laughs> I <laughs> I had a collection out there. Oh and, right, uh, that's and true. then I was and then I was working on the Cutthroat Queens songs from the Cutthroat Queens podcast. <gasps> album. Did you all know? Did you all know that Elton does our music? Oh my god, <laughs> we haven't said that in a whole month. <laughs> but now you can own it—the collection of ten songs that have featured or will be featured in the coming episodes of Cutthroat Queens, all written, recorded, and produced by me. Um, yeah, it's available on Bandcamp. We'll link it. 
But aside from that, I've been heavily into watching movies because Ooh. I, as Brett says, everything I do is super gay um, and I love horror. So I'm always on the lookout for gay horror. Um, and it's historically, it's always been quite terrible. We had Hellbent in 2004, which was just not a good film. We have a lot of stuff that just randomly features Drew Drogue for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> just turning up as a cameo. There's like the bed and breakfast of terror and bite marks and all these really, really terrible camp gay horror movies we've all historically had. But I did start to notice that in the past sort of four or five years, we've started to get some actually decent quality gay representation in cinema. And uh, so I started to sort of think about things that I wanted to recommend, things that I wanted to suggest. And I think the first thing that I watched that I thought, actually, this is of a much better caliber was um, a film called Midnight Kiss, which stars Augustus Prue and Scott Evans and Lucas Gage. And it was part of the Blumhouse series um, Into the Dark, which was like a, an anthology series of films, which was holiday related into the dark i've i've seen every single one of them which one are you talking about midnight kiss the um the one, the one with the bar um, the bar and the, the yeah. guy in the leather mask so this was the new year's um episode that they did for that series and um it was directed by carter smith who is an openly gay director um who you might know from his previous works having directed the ruins in 2008 and jamie marks is dead in 2014 um I really like his style. I really like the fact that he's an indie director and I really like the fact that he sort of turns up around a lot of Bloomhouse stuff, which I love Bloomhouse um, yeah, as, a, as a general production company. Um, this film was good. It was the first slasher, gay slasher movie that I've seen that's taken it actually seriously. Um, it's got complex characters. It's very melodramatic. Like it's it's overacted in a, in a way, but... Mm. In, not in a campy way so it's 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 very full-on it's over the top but it's exciting it has a cool gay best um lady best friend in it who you know everybody needs the cool lady best friend character um she was awesome in it it's got like just a, a really really good range of gay stereotypes i want to say stereotypes as well it's like the anal one and the fun one and the the, the, the anal the anal gay guy the anal gay guy, you know, the one that likes to plan, not the one that likes the anal. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really, really good film. And that kind of got me sort of started on looking at a serious, more serious gay movies that aren't campy and aren't supposed to be fun or tongue in cheek. And it also got me looking at Carter Smith, which brings me on to 2022. His movie Swallowed, um, which he wrote, directed and produced. Um, it's an indie oh. film. Um, I bought it on Amazon Prime UK for £2.99 the other day to own outright, which is a steal. It's not got the best reviews, but I really enjoyed it. So the essential plot of it is it's um, two, well, this, this gay guy, he, he's a small town gay guy. He's been doing some online porn. He's ready to leave. He's going to LA and his friend wants to give him some money to start him up with. Um, so they offer to do this drug heist um, for this this creepy lady out in the out in the woods so they go find her it's jenna malone wouldn't you know I, jenna love jenna malone. I love her so much and she's brilliant in this oh my she god basically... she looks like such a bad i'm looking at the pictures yeah she looks like she, such a badass That's she cool. is terrifying but she's not actually the bad character in it she, 
she's working for someone who's so much worse. Ooh. Which I loved as well because it's a terrible gay man, a fucking awful gay man that she's working for. So basically, she holds them at gunpoint, she makes them swallow the drugs and condoms, but they're not drugs. And they find this out very quickly afterwards that they're actually smuggling some kind of biological material. But um, yeah, so it, it turns out to be a mystery and then it gets to be a bit revengey at the end. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's not something I've seen before. Um, it's body horror. It's uh, sort of a bit criminally, um, but it's got a, a leading queer actor as well in uh, Cooper Koch who uh, plays the main character. Um, you might recognize him from They Them, which is another Blumhouse film that I watched oh. recently. He was um, he was in that. Um, really, really great cast. There's only four people in this film. Um, it seems quite low budget, but it's they, they make it work really, really well. Um, yeah, so I recommend that. And I thought that you, as listeners, might be looking for something that's a bit more serious and a bit more mainstream appealing, kind of uh, not really campy and not really terrible and you know there's there's no played for laughs homophobia or anything in it it's it's just a they're incidentally gay um which i i really enjoyed um but yeah that's the kind of film that i've been kind of looking for lately and i found quite a few of them which i will recommend in coming up episodes but i'm not going to go too deep into it now but uh but yeah that's um that was my my big my big two for the month and if you've got any that you've seen as well, I would love to hear from you. So please tweet at us and let me know if I'm missing out on anything because I love gay cinema. It's often awesome. because like horror has a history of like so much queer coding. So it's mm. nice that now it's like out in front mm. and that you can like clearly stand behind having these gay horror movies. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yeah, I was trying to get together some that were like explicitly queer characters mm-hmm. um there are a lot of like you say the gay coded ones like the nightmare on elm street 2 is, is incredibly homoerotic gay coded i watched carter smith's latest movie the passengers with um johnny birchtold and kyle golner um and that was about two straight men criminals who have a friendship i mean that there's undertones of a suggestion of homoeroticism but it was never in, it, like it never intended never implied i think it was just because it was a car smith but yeah. to actually see swallowed and to see gay men represented in horror as the protagonists as the good guys right. and the bad guys was yeah a plus i loved it love it i, I want to probably be watching swallowed today <laughs> <Then>. yeah <laughs> it's really 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 good and i want to know what you think of it as well so yeah i think it's really cheap on um amazon prime right now awesome i just looked it up it's like five to rent U.S. dollars, since I'm sure not all of our listeners um, work in pounds. Yeah. So it's like $5 to rent, $8 to buy. Not not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. One thing um, I did want to mention that touches a little bit on what Elton said is that we, we do have, we, I'm saying we, but he has the album out. Uh, we also have started putting some merch on Threadless, yeah. and this is this is just to be frank. It's just going to help, <laughs> you know. Uh, we we try to put these out every single month, and you know the hosting and all of it is not free. We love doing it, so we haven't you know cared about that. But if we want to keep doing it, maybe we can 
recoup some of that. So that's what we've decided to put the merch out for and the music so that potentially we can keep doing this. We also have a, I think it's coffee, but it's KOFI account. If yeah. you want to, if Go you want to send us money. <laughs> I forgot about supposed that. To be like, oh my goodness. You forget like, about that all the time and you're in charge of it as well. So I know. one that we never get any well, I know. That shows I how often it's our, used. Got our only five dollars. We oh, also Michelle, have a bookshop front. <laughs> if we you do shop have a book our bookshop, we get a cut of that. Um and some of you have, so thank you. Yeah. Um, but all of these links are in our link tree, which is in our bio on all social media, which reminds me that we're finally on Blue Sky. So if you are on Blue Sky as a Twitter alternative. Twitter replacement, whatever, um, you can find us there at Cutthroat Horror. And all three of us are there. If you're on there as well, and if you're preferring it to Twitter, where you're checking in in your socials, where you're all hanging out at, because we want to be the cool kids that hang out at the party too, so let us know where's <laughs> cool to hang. I'm pretty sure X is going to be imploding any uh, month now. It just seems to be really, like, really going down it. the shitter. I, like, I understand not supporting it but i'm not loving blue sky yet i want to love it i want i want it to be easier i'm not entirely sure why you don't love blue sky because it is essentially twitter without a character limit i can tell it's created by the makers (laughs) of twitter i I struggle to find people in blue sky i can't find people and i also find that i cannot figure out how to make my notifications go away i click them i interact with them and then they just stay forever yeah. So yeah, and I my... can't use emojis on my desktop, and threading is kind of a bitch. Um, so this is my feedback for the Blue Sky creator. <laughs> <laughs> I have not found engagement to be super high. Like sometimes I'll tag people, and they don't. I don't. I'm not sure they see it. I think it's not because it's because it's invite only still at the moment, isn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah, but there I'm tagging people who we follow. Yeah. So if you, if I'm tagging you and you're not listening, if you're get on there and like like I, our I'm blue just, guys. I'm just into TikTok lately. I'm obsessed with TikTok because I can watch people eat too much food. I can watch book recommendations. I can um, watch little comedy skits and celebrity stuff, bits of music. It's very, very cool. And I'm addicted to it. I, I literally can't stop. The other day, I watched an old man make a pair of shoes. It's lovely. lovely. It's very good, I, I also have finally like really, really dove headfirst into the TikTok trend so late. But I've been watching people open like mystery boxes Ooh, and also horror talk is on point i mean i love the creepy music there's like fun little videos i like love horror talk especially because yeah. it constantly like brings you to like appalachian horror yeah. and mm. i'm oh. into that right now it sounds like one of you should run a tiktok account for us <laughs> we're working on it oh, <laughs> That was supposed to be Brett. Brett's supposed to be social media. I got That's the I got the text-based ones, but I can't handle a TikTok. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us ramble on <laughs> about what we've been up to this month and listening to us beg you for money in multiple ways, whether you're donating to causes or buying music or buying t-shirts or just buying us coffee. Um, we are really excited. We're bringing on Kat Valor to talk about her new book, Revenge Arc. So excited to chat about that. And then we also brought on her publisher, Cormac Baldwin, from Archive of the Odd. So we'll be talking to them after this break. Waking up in a bath of ice, 
I'm a victim of an organized you know it is true you know this time you're never gonna get it but you already stole my heart yeah you ripped it and apart you know it is true all right and we are back we are joined by Cormac Baldwin from Archive of the Odd and Cat Velour author of Revenge Arc. Cormac Baldwin is an author and the head archivist, editor-in-chief of Archive of the Odd, a speculative found fiction press. Cat Velour is a writer of dark fiction with works featured in Hell Hath Only Fury, Livestock, and Divergent Terror. She co-hosts two podcasts, Slasher Radio and This Horror Life. When she is not creating or consuming morbid content, you can most often find her with a small army of rescue felines, pursuing her passion for fictional languages. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thanks for coming on. So how's everybody doing today? Excited? Oh, so excited. <laughs> trying to be normal. <laughs> Just normal. <laughs> Just trying to pretend well. to be normal for a little bit. <laughs> okay. I have appearances to keep up. <laughs> this is not this is not your mother's day job. You can be yourself here. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mother's so, day job is being a writer. She can be <laughs> well, that's, oh, that's wonderful does she write found footage type documents too no no she writes uh, science fiction romance and mysteries um our overlap is very very small <laughs> that's really neat we should have her on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we keep talking about having mama pumpkins on all the time too. oh my god <laughs> yes she's a big fan i just want elton to interview her because she yeah. loves his uh accent she doesn't realize how mean he is. Sorry, Elton. <laughs> she would probably oh. love it. She loves Real Housewives. But anyway, we are here. Yes, we are here to talk about not Mama Pumpkins or Elton, even though we miss you, Elton. We're here to talk about both Archive of the Odd and Revenge Arc. Yeah. That is your debut, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Oh my gosh, reading it was such a blast. Um. <laughs> And for our listeners, it's called Revenge Arc ARC. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was like telling somebody I was reading it and they got confused because they're like, it's an arc. So is it just called Revenge? <laughs> like it's your revenge arc. And I was like, nope, that's the title. <laughs> anyway, I was hoping, Kat, can you tell us what Revenge Arc is all about? Uh, so Revenge Arc is, uh, <laughs> it's about a lot of things, but the plot follows uh, comic writer and film critic Riley Langdon as she gets uh, kind of thrust into the center of a true crime controversy on the internet. Uh, it's all true to source formatting told through web pages and Twitter messages and Discord. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to talk about past that. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it was like so fun to read. Um, and like I read it on my iPad first, but I already purchased and I'm ready to receive the paperback because I was like, I need to be able to flip back and forth because I'm like, there's got to be clues hidden in like the Discord names and like the posts. And there's even, I mean, we'll get into formatting, but like even the pages where you could see the opposite side of the page. Yes. It's like clues. That was so And me, I didn't realize it would be later in the book. So I walked up to a mirror and like read it. (laughs) And then I found it later. I'm like, all right, fine. But I really love the immersion factor of it. Kudos to you both on that one. Um, What was it that inspired you to create such a unique story, Kat? 
the initial inspiration, uh, and I'm sure that this comes through, it, it wasn't so much the creepy pastas, uh, although I was reading a lot of them at the time that I had the idea for the story, um, but it was the feeling of doing research for something scary like that. It, it was more about the experience of you know, the late night Reddit threads and the external links and, you know, you're just going further and further down uh, this mystery. And I I really wanted to bring the audience something like that experience um, more than I was inspired by what was trending at the time. Uh, and this was around, I, I sat on this story for a while. Uh, I came up for it. I came up with the idea in like 2016. So at the time, uh, the deep web really was the creepypasta moment, <laughs> you know, uh, there were a lot of red rooms. There were a lot of like live game shows on the, on the deep web and, um, you know, it all kind of blended together into one feeling that I just thought everyone needed to have. So it, it you got lucky with being able to find a publisher that's just kind of like tailor-made for this kind of content. Um, yes. <laughs> so Cormac, can you speak a little bit on that? Archive of the Odd, wholly new idea, I feel like. I haven't seen something like this. What is it? What it, the, What inspired it? Uh, so initially, I actually forgot why I did it for like a solid year until my uh, my now co-editor initially was just a um, close friend was like, you did it because you couldn't find anyone who would take found fiction stories. I'm like, oh, is that it? Is that why I did that? Oh, state. OK, cool. Because, um, yeah, I would have them and then I would send them out and I got a lot of this is great. What is this? <laughs> what is this thing that you've done? And I'm like, I don't feel like it's that complicated. And there are like a, there are a lot of publishers that do fan fiction and do it really well. I really like diabolical plots and uh, pseudopod both do it fairly frequently and I enjoy it, but it's always kind of a little extra niche thing. Whereas I'm like, no, this is its own style of writing. It is a completely different way of looking at writing. It's you read it in a different way it needs something that is special for it, like something that can embrace it for what it is and not kind of push it into what we want traditional prose to be, which is not to say that other publishers are doing that. I, just, I want to be clear here. I love you diabolical plots, um, <laughs> but it's it always feels a little sad when there's like this amazing story. I'm like, oh, this is formatted the exact same way as everyone else. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought up how hard it is to find someone willing to do found fiction. Um, you said that it was luck, which is true. Like the the timeline for me submitting Revenge Arc and Archive of the Odd opening up for ambiguously lengthed projects uh, <laughs> is kind of why this happened. A lot of it was chance, but there was... I, I was going through a period with Revenge Arc where I felt really proud of the manuscript. I was sending it out. I was getting full requests for the first time ever in my life, and they would get the full requests. And then every single publisher was like, we can't format this. Like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, you know, and that wasn't, and at the time, I didn't even, I wasn't at like ambitious to the level of where we ended up at. It was just, you know, like, even looking at like the Reddit 
indentations and the discord and mm-hmm. stuff like a lot of places just would not touch this no that's you know, like and... that's really no joke and i don't think people realize that when they pick up a book but it's mm-hmm. like when you use a formatting software you're like very beholden to diff- like certain inputs and stuff and it's like when i was reading that i was like i guess everything has to be an image file but then like, how do you, like, you have to split the image and I don't know that this is how you do it, Cormac. So like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but this is just how I was envisioning it. Like you have to design these images and then split them in the right spots. Like I was just like this, it does seem like a formatting nightmare. So it's so impressive that the two of you pulled that off. Um, it, it is. And it I, looks amazing. <laughs> I was so immersed in it. And I think I actually wrote this in my review. I don't think it, I actually know that I did. Um, but the... <laughs> I read it on my phone because I, I wanted it to be immersive like that. Like I'm scrolling through social media and all I just kept thinking was like, holy crap, because this fucking thing is like, I feel like I'm actually involved in it. And if I move to a different social media, I had to like recalibrate, bring my brain, brain back. Um, it, it was just the most immersive experience I've ever had. It, even as a fan of found fiction films, None of them brought me into the moment the way that this did. So I have, (laughs) I'm going to ask, you might not answer, Cormac, how do you do it? (laughs) I'm going, I'm going to admit this, an alarming amount of Revenge Arc is on Canva. Um, Oh, wow. A frightening amount. You must have the premium account. (laughs) I I actually only got it so I could download things with um, print files in mind. Uh, to for some reason doing it in CMYK is locked, but no, otherwise I I just do things with a free version. It's not actually significantly different. Wow, um, so impressive. Not not all of it, but yeah, there is an alarming amount that is in Canva, and I'm willing to accept that. Uh, I also use Word, InDesign. One day I would love to be rich enough to afford Vellum, but uh, we're not quite there yet. We are t- plans to take over the world, so. I mean, it was successful. It's gorgeous. Uh, Chelsea already mentioned that she purchased the physical okay. copy, and I did the same. I Brett had to. already got his. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's gorgeous inside. It's gorgeous on the phone. Just pick it up. It's perfect. I, I actually just right now I I got a regret because I I wish we would have brought the artist on as well. Didn't even think about it. That would have been a great idea if we could have gotten. Was it? It's Brie Crozier. That did all the artwork for this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. <laughs> so unfortunately, I can't help you there. But yes, it's great. That's awesome. I was curious too, like, um, Kat, how did you hand over your story? Like, did you like <laughs> sketch it? Were there like descriptive notes? Like, talk about that process a little bit. Um. So I had... That was the hardest part of this process. People always like want to know what the writing was like and how difficult it was to put together. And the answer is always like not very difficult in comparison to any kind of writing. But formatting this to the stage that I could send it out for people to look at it. And Archive, I think because you guys deal in... um found file stuff you know that is a little bit more open i they were a lot more perceptive uh as to what the vision was but there were there were a lot of places and i'm not gonna you know like 
list all of the publishers by name that didn't want to work on this. But like name, even the name ones and that shame was... <laughs> them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just um, kidding. Even even the places I was getting like full requests and then, you know, like we don't know what to do with this kind of responses from, you know, they were a lot of those places have very strict William Shun formatting guidelines. And it mm. was like <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I'm not that great at formatting stuff to begin with in terms of like shun formatting, you know, just because it's not applicable to a lot of modern fiction. And then when you add in, you know, stuff I was going through, I was having to set indents like 0.5 at a time to go back and forth with the Reddit threads. And it's like, this is, <laughs> this Did is you rough. Notate like what kind of format no, it was I want to see your, I want to see like, your notes. Is it like <laughs> this is written in discord this is a, a text chat um so no not a lot not a lot more than what you see in the book currently because luckily the curator curators as it were of the document uh canonically have notes about where they got the sourcing information from mm. um so a lot of that was a lot of this early draft was theater of the mind where you still had that, but it was like copied and pasted into a single word doc, uh, which is actually it's it was a roller coaster of things because when I had the idea for the book, uh, it's pretty much the book that you're holding right now. And I was like, this is except for it. In my version, it was going to be all printed and then just like shoved into an envelope. And then <laughs> oh, that's I, so cool. I thought I was going to have to do it myself at this stage. And then when I got the idea to query, I rolled it back where it's like, maybe it's just all pasted in a Word doc because someone will publish that. Like, it's not going to be the ambitious hill that I've created for myself here at home. And then no one did except for Archive. <laughs> it's like, wow. And Cormac actually psyched me back up into what we have now because I, I came in uh, expecting to do a lot less than what we ended up with um, well no lie now i want to buy a second copy and put it in a manila envelope and like put it inside my walls in my house or something and like wait for someone to renovate this in like 200 years that was a uh, but yeah that was the original idea for revenge arc was just like a bunch of i i was going to like bespoke a novel i guess where it's just going to be like printing out pages and shoving them in envelopes to send out it was not a good plan i'm glad i didn't have to do that Aw, kudos to Archive of the Odd, Cormac. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. I, I have bad news because we actually do that for promotional things. Not necessarily the whole book, <laughs> but we do occasionally just... I have a bunch of manila folders I got for free when I work at a, at a charity shop. And oh. I will occasionally just print out short stories with the author's permission and just shove them in a manila folder and put them in little free libraries. And it's it's amazing how successful it is. Like, usually I get it, and then I get an order, and I see that the address is, like, right next to where I put it in. And I'm like, okay, apparently this works. This is marketing 101. Put mysterious envelopes in a uh, little free library. Um, that's out of a great <laughs> tip for all the writers. Yeah. Footage. <laughs> yes. So I, I do want to ask you, uh, I'm going to butcher this word. Everybody forgive me. I got you. you. I know a, what you're a, doing. <laughs> epistolary? Is that? I think, epistolary. I think That's the word. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I've been practicing that one. We had practice with TJ Price's episodes. <laughs> yeah, so I said it good. like 50 <laughs> times wrong. But they're, compared to found footage, like that genre of horror films, do you take any inspiration from 
the found footage when you're like constructing or when you're deciding that you're going to drop them in random libraries? Um, dropping them in random libraries is more because I think I was, I was definitely, first of all, a creepy child. And then I grew up into a kind of creepy adult without a strong understanding of maybe the neighbors will think this is weird. Um, so like, it was very much something I, we have the key logo that's on our, uh, with that the bird is holding the key with an eye. And so I just drew that in permanent marker with like built, um, like gold pen details and then just put it places and only afterwards went that might be a little strange for people to stumble upon um so unfortunately no that level of planning came afterwards uh found footage in general i was probably traumatized by i believe it's called lost tapes it was on animal planet uh when i was yeah. like young Is yeah lost tapes. yeah i, I, I remember planet. that yeah yeah, Wait, no, I thought they the, were real. We can, we can cut this, but Cormac, how old are you? Uh, I, I'm 24. You're I am 20? Fuck you, Cormac. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's amazing. Good for you for being so successful at such a young age. Elton, cut, cut me cussing out our her guest. Um, Don't do it. Leave it in. <laughs> so are you actually 24? Or were you yes. lying to us? What? No, that it. <laughs> no, I just finished my master's last year. Like literally, Revenge Arc. I was putting it together while I was finishing my master's. Wow. I was so asking... retroactively sorry for all the emails I sent you about <laughs> nothing while you were finishing. It. No, it's okay. It's Gen most Z of time hates it's... emails, Kat. You should have Snapchatted him or some. No, shit. I love emails. She couldn't no, have I known. Don't know how to use Snapchat? <laughs> I don't know how to use Snapchat. Please, I'm scared of Snapchat. I also don't know how TikTok works, and it frightens me. Oh, you're an old soul. That's wonderful. I'm an old. soul. The oh, reason I asked is I used to be when I was young, I was obsessed with Animal Planet, and I don't know what you're talking about. But Brett no, I, does. I, yeah, it, it wasn't when I was a kid, though. Oh, no, no, it was like 2009, I think. I don't know. Um, but or I thought Mac, when, when you get real. off your parents' cable bill, you'll understand you won't have time for Animal Planet anymore. <laughs> no, I don't watch it anymore. Don't worry. Um, no. Anyway, it's a uh... lost tapes. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> lost tapes. Uh, it also mermaids the body found. I don't know what was going on in the heads of the executives at Animal Planet for like a solid five years that they were just like, let's really freak out some kids. Let's really mess them up for life. There was a period of time when Animal Planet's just like, man, let's just do everything fake. <laughs> just like I don't do it. fake I documentaries. That was not my Animal Planet experience. This is so um, weird. Oh, me. there's also like Meerkat Manor. There was also that. Yeah, um, that that's what I understand. <laughs> but you can see Lost oh. Tapes on on Amazon Prime on Amazon Video. Okay, out there. Okay, yeah, no. So tell me about Lost Tapes because I don't know what that's about. Oh no, it was just like monster stuff, but it was all in found footage. It was like thirty minutes. They were pretty short. Um, cool. And it was they didn't really have a story. Most of the time, you couldn't tell people were, like, at least I was fairly young, so I maybe it was me. I couldn't tell that people were acting. I thought they were just being weird, because that's what you do when you're on a grainy, like, grainy footage from 2003. I'm like, I don't know, it's standard practice. That's what we do. Um, 
And so it would just be like people going to party in a cemetery, acting mostly normal, and then they would get attacked by hellhounds or something. And I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. Awesome. <laughs> that must be completely real. I have now. no way of processing this. Cool. Uh, I lived by a cemetery, so that wasn't great. <laughs> Mongolian deathworm, for some reason, was the one I was most afraid of. Oh. I don't have a solid... Yeah, I don't have a solid explanation for that. I don't even remember how it went. I was just terrified of Mongolian deathworms. Luckily, I lived in Alaska, which was pretty far away. But it kept me up at night. Yeah, I definitely like my found footage. Introduction was definitely Blair Witch Project. And then semi-followed by like the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What was that, like 2003, maybe? So, uh, I think the VHS series is really high on my list. And then um hell house llc <gasps> so good yeah. yes i mean my favorite horror movie is creep and that is also found mm, yeah. hot take a lot of people Sorry. don't like it <laughs> i love I do. creep you do you do. oh my god cat we're best friends now <laughs> that's awesome i don't know if you if you even finished answering brett's question because that took like five tangents but um that's no, okay i got excited about mongolian death worms it happens to the best of us <laughs> i'm gonna have to watch lost tapes I yeah I don't think I mean, there's I mean, any benefit you, to it you did i mean <laughs> you're, you, you said that you're inspired by the found footage which was you know the the expectation i i think a lot of people that are doing that i'm not gonna try to say it again i'm not i don't have it in front of me to Epistolary. read that yes Epistolary fiction are kind of dipping into that uh so cat because chelsea pivoted to creep which is found footage in a very like what is that true crime kind of way Ooh, yes. um, revenge arc kind of scratched that case solving itch do you follow true crime and did that inspire it at all uh, so I wouldn't say that it inspired the initial project much, but, and I also, I don't consider myself necessarily a true crime fan. Um, I consider myself like an enthusiast of mysteries. <laughs> uh, very often that's like cryptids or, you know, like weird internet things, but there is a huge overlap with the true crime fan, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> just the, uh, the base of, I do fall down a lot of true crime rabbit holes late at night. And uh, that definitely, uh, I think it appeals to the part of true crime fans that like doing that anyway. And then when I actually sat down to write it, it was amidst the whole uh, Dahmer controversy on Netflix, like that whole thing. Uh, So I'm sure peripherally some of that like creeped in, creeped into the true crime discussion that goes on in the book. You know, because I putting a piece like this together, you can't be like, it's all fictional. It doesn't matter. You know, in the world, this is a true crime case. So it was a discussion that needed to be touched on. I I felt. Yeah. And I thought it was like super realistic. I mean, Brett and I have like once in a while chatted about like true crime cases going on. I've definitely like considered myself. I don't know. Calling yourself a fan of true crime is always like a little bit. weird (laughs) but it is fascinating um i just feel like it kind of appeals to like mystery solvers and like kind of puzzle solvers out there um people who just like want to get to the bottom of something but one thing that 
I found was really fun about revenge arc is that like you don't really give us one conclusion so like it's a book of clues essentially like that's kind of how I look at it and like Mm -hmm. even Brett and I like we both read it separately and I kept being like did you finish it did you finish it I want to talk about (laughs) it so that we could like discuss theories um which is super fun so anybody out there who enjoys that sort of like mystery solving or true crime like I feel like there's a Venn diagram of that but anyway you would probably love this book um but we were curious is there one conclusion that you have or do you even have multiple theories to what's going on in Revenge Arc and you don't Uh, have to divulge them of course (laughs) um there is because I in order to lay down clues I needed to have a very coherent timeline of when things happen and what is happening because there's a point in having multiple theories where it's just nonsense because nothing means anything um and especially when I was adding like years and dates and stuff I had to refer to you know these people are here at this time kind of a so looking at it from my angle there is a canon thing that happens because I have to construct the timeline around that like that's how the book fits together Mm -hmm. um and I, we made the decision really early in, I think when uh, Cormac and I were first talking about the ending, like the epilogue to the book, we were talking about how that was going to be perceived and how straightforward or not to take that. Uh, we went through a couple different drafts, actually, to kind of get the ending to the note where it's at to make it more ambiguous. And one of the decisions that I made during that was to not confirm publicly like who is and is not right about the theories which has been one of the hardest parts of this because um even though i know what happens like i I, there are uh, i have like a folder with like the timeline where it's like every person is here step by step like i know i because you know i needed to know where everyone was even though i know that and have seen it i've been getting some of the most insane theories for this and it has been so fun to watch and it um i don't know if this is a thing that you'll have to cut i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble for this here uh i i've been (laughs) i i actually wrote a sequel uh while i was on bed rest and it uh, like one thing and it was before the book came out uh, and it's been really interesting to kind of compare the direction that I was going to, you know, go down with the theories that people are having now, because it's like, you know, it, I think it would be, if it weren't already done, I would have a really tough time. Not only is it like not done because it needs edited, but it's not like confirmed. It was just something I did for me, but it, it's been really interesting. It's like, it, I think it would have been hard not to let fan theories kind of influence you know, where it goes, because people yeah. have some really interesting, like, they've pulled some conclusions, you know. So when we're off the air, I want to ask about what some of these are, because Chelsea <laughs> and I actually came to it with different opinions yeah. of what happened. And <laughs> obviously, I think mine's right. <laughs> but I was pretty convinced by you. Yeah, I, I, I really pitched it. But hers also made a lot of sense. So I, I want to bug you about that. We did, for the listeners, I'm going to be honest, we tried before this to get answers. <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, no. She wouldn't give them to us. <laughs> Nothing. No. So, Kat, do you ever plan to divulge the answer? Or is the sequel, like, is that like kind of why you're holding off? Um, the I, I'm holding off a sequel mostly because I pitched this 
as a standalone thing. I was like, <laughs> here's the whole story. We're done. Uh, and then we worked on art for it for like th- several months and I got excited. And then I was in quarantine with nothing to do. And I was like, sequel time because I was still all hyped up on the project um (laughs) so that's like uh that's not something that's been formally discussed or I I don't even know if it would be something that I would want to release having seen how much fun people are having theorizing I think if I do it I'm going to have to go back in and make it more vague to kind of like keep that tone (laughs) you don't have to do that no we want answers (laughs) we're gonna need like a discord server to process revenge arc which is analyzing fake discord servers <laughs> um that, that would be life imitating art i think the discord fan server and that's just the sequel um <laughs> that is actually kind of the the note of the sequel that i had where it's like you know here are, here's the information presented and then here's like a year later how people have reacted to this news you know mm. and what's going on online as people are trying to figure out like what what's going on um we could be yeah. characters i know it could be very meta <laughs> it could get so meta here <laughs> so s- since i guess you've confirmed that you haven't formally discussed the sequel yet yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not going to take that off the table no. um Cormac, do you have any other like long form like revenge arc in the pipeline not currently it is it's something that we're open to like we are kind of the door is permanently cracked to like hey if anyone has a collection or a novella that is found footage or anything like that feel free to query us it's just it's fairly uncommon and most of the time when people reach out it's like this this isn't found footage i'm sorry (laughs) this is not found fiction um but yeah there's nothing currently but it is something that we are looking forward to hoping to expand a bit more and do more cool things right now we kind of we have revenge arc and then we have the magazine issues and i'd like to continue my plot for world domination um mostly in the form of making more cool stuff and hiring more artists and things like that and raising our pay rates because currently like we're very much a micro press we're very small and we try our best. Uh, I'm currently like applying to grants and things like that to help keep things running as best they can. But like, yeah. yeah. So um, good on you. if somebody that's listening right now that has a found footage that could be the next Revenge Arc wants to grab your attention, how can they do that? If they sent it in, what what do you look for? Oh, it's really weird because I would love to be like, I would love to be the person who can be like, just a first page that grabs me but admittedly like i'm very much not that kind of reader i will probably forget your first line um i'm sorry guys i know all the all the really good advice that everyone gives about like strong characterization and things like that obviously that's still true but a lot of what i enjoy in found fiction as opposed to prose is kind of more of the detail-oriented aspects of it. The, I do enjoy the ambiguity. I enjoyed the weirdness and the spot in between files. Like, what what is going on off the camera? Because with found fiction, you kind of have either a 360-degree camera where you can see absolutely everything that's happening. You get to look into every server. You get to look into every website. Or you have, like, 
diary. And so either you have one point or you have any point and kind of using either one to create an effect either of more information being outside of the story or otherwise that there is enough going on within the text that it can be unpacked as opposed to laying it as it is. I don't know if that answers the question. I just like that. <laughs> no, it's, um, it is interesting because like, how do you, you can't do uh, your first line as the best with something like found fiction. Like it is a total package. I, I've actually, ways. this is a hot take, but I've never really loved the, like, the first line to sell it. I've never loved the, like, the first page promise situation. I, yeah. I feel like, like, writing a novel is is an art form. And, and yeah. sometimes you have to look at the whole experience. I know that that the whole experience isn't necessarily going to grab a publisher, but it's, I agree. Is what I'm long-winded yeah. way of saying that, <laughs> and I think Cat wants no, to it too. Oh, I just I I don't want to get Cormac overloaded with um questions from with, with all the query letters, but one thing that I found is that you're very easy to talk to. So if someone's looking to get something into archive, I would ask, uh, which is what I did. Uh, I think I submitted this as a uh, serialization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because initially the the page said, "Query if you're interested in serialization," which was intended for the website, because uh, you know the actual magazine comes out fairly infrequently, and it's like I mean, we can't really serialize; it'll be like six months between issues. People are going to forget <laughs> what happened. Um, but yeah, no. Initially, it was it was serialization. I'm like, no, this isn't this isn't going to work for serialization. This is not. <laughs> no, this needs to be put together. It's its own thing. I, I was don't like, I was. This. I was so desperate to get help with this project. Uh, and I just like, and looking through archives material, I knew that this was like the publisher that I wanted. Uh, but it was like, it was very much the art of how to pitch a novel at a place that is not <laughs> accepting novels. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you were so nice. Like I asked about it and, you know, I, I, I think I was pretty straight up front about the word count, uh, but you were just, you were so nice about not only looking at it anyway, like you were very polite in the email. Uh, but then, you know, once we decided to like work with it being like, did you want this to be a serialization or, um, <laughs> no, no, I don't think it would have. I... Oh, no, I just don't think it would have worked as a serialization. It was kind of, I read it, I sat there going, no, I read that all in, like, over the course <laughs> of two days, and I'm pretty sure I was dealing with my finals at the time, because, again, I was in my <laughs> master's program. And I'm like, no, that's that's not the kind of media in which I, I think serialization will go over well, because you'd get a quarter of the story and then go, okay, see you all next month, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah, it was so, very devourable. It, it was very devourable. I, mm -hmm. I devoured it. I've devoured it twice. Um, <laughs> so when you're doing epistolary fiction uh, in the digital age, you know, it used to be like the format of just writing letters. And now you have Discord servers and text chats and Reddit threads all in Revenge Arc alone. What special considerations do you have to make 
this is kind of a question for both of you because Kat as the writer <laughs> Cormac as the format her artist of the book and then also archive of the odd which is wonderful found fiction uh one thing that is really boring that is an answer is that there's a bunch of legal considerations uh, <laughs> like wow. So you know how in Reddit, everyone has the little robot guy. I don't use Reddit. I'm sorry. I don't know what the word is. I think it's like a schmoo or something. You're too um, young they for all Reddit, little... Cormac. I'm, t- I'm a baby. <laughs> but um, they all have the little robot guy for their avatar. Uh, legally, we couldn't use that. So everyone has circles. <laughs> so it's the closest thing where at a glance, it would kind of look like that. Mm. Um, but like also... Uh, one of the characters in the Discord is intentionally vague and kind of unknowable, but we couldn't use the standard Discord logo, which is what happens if you don't have a profile picture. So we had to come up with the vague and unknowable thing, but also someone would have to have uploaded it intentionally because we can't use the Discord logo. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, no, it's a, like, what an interesting challenge. I did not ever consider that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Marty R, he's somewhere in there, and yes, he cannot have the Discord logo, or that would have been his avatar. Um, in general, most major websites kind of have a policy of benign neglect when it comes to, like, hey, I'm stealing your format, and they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Twitter especially actively does not care. There are multiple books that use the straight-up Twitter formatting, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. You can just steal this. Awesome. We're good. We're good. We're cool. Yeah. Um, every so often in the magazine, you'll see an off-brand uh, social media site. Like occasionally there's like a Twoobler out there, but it's mostly <laughs> that it's it's the author had put it as Twoobler. And I'm like, okay, I guess in this universe, it's Twoobler. Like I'll, I'll roll with this. Sure. Yeah, we're in. It's fine. Me and Brett are making eyes and we're like, all right, now we have to look into Marty. <laughs> well, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was looking through and I was like, this looks like a generic little sentence. Or We're like, oh, logo. the guy with, then, the, with the fake logo. Yeah. And then it yeah, yeah, he's... a line, cat that I think yeah. confirms one yeah. of my theories. Hang on. Look into cat's eyes. 70 or 71. <laughs> you said 70 or 71? Uh, yes, 68 through 71. We're diving so into a hard theory here. All right, we're going after Marty. Was Marty the cop? <laughs> yeah. I, have co- I, have the- I can't confirm. <laughs> I do remember not- The title of this episode is going to be like, Cat cannot confirm nor deny. Cat <laughs> <laughs> pleads the fifth. Cat pleads the fifth. Cat, did you- excuse me, did you have anything to add about what Cormac was just talking about? Oh, about the... um. Uh, not not specifically about the um i i will say i got to ask some very interesting i feel like this would give it away um this might be one of those uh we have to cut things Go ahead. um <laughs> i did at one point have to ask about the legality of using fictional languages um in the template oh. of the book and we will uh, just it is in there it made it it was legal <laughs> i lost the grain right so excited. <laughs> I, I did serious research to make sure that creative not free or no sorry no it's innocent tech <laughs> to make sure that innocent text avatar was legally appropriate. <laughs> yeah. 
Ooh, this is so interesting. Oh, Brett, we're going to have so much theorizing. <laughs> <laughs> I, and Cormac, I didn't want to cut you off on your on your answer there. Did you were you able to say everything like Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. no, mostly it's, it's for the most part uh, honestly the biggest challenge with websites is the fact that occasionally they change. Um, first of all, now Twitter uh, is no longer Twitter, and so that has yes. really ruined that. Revenge Arc is already historical fiction. Oh. Um, <laughs> Maybe and... it's for the best. Maybe you That's just okay. want to live in a pre-Elon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a nice little time capsule. It is. Um, I will but, say, uh, moving forward, I think that it's going to... This is where our world and the revenge arc canon diverges. It's If I got the sequel, it would still be Twitter, I think. <laughs> I don't think we're bringing X into this. We're not pandering to Elon Musk. No, none of us call it X anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> um, I was curious if we can turn it back to Kat a little bit again. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the book... Riley, the main character, models much of Red, her character, off of herself, <laughs> um, which was a very meta reading experience. Um, so I was curious if Riley is likewise modeled after you at all, and or how much of yourself tends to end up in your how much of yourself ends up in your characters in general. So generally, I I think I put a lot of myself into my characters. Um, even I think. Uh, here's my hot take. Here's my hot writing take. I think to a certain extent, all characters are kind of self-insert characters, because even if you have someone that doesn't believe the things that you believe or doesn't act in a way that you would act, um, even when you're doing villains and antagonists and just like the most despicable people, it's always as a writer, your depiction of how they approach these actions. Like, I think it, I think it would be impossible to have like a whole book full of characters that just aren't that don't have my worldview to some extent you know because those mm -hmm. commonalities I and that's kind of how I approach all of my characters is like here are the things they have in common with me here are here's where I can see myself and here where I here's where I differ like it's it's very much like that for me in the process Riley is a very interesting character in that regard um, because we do have a lot in common anyway that I think makes the <laughs> I think it makes the similarities uh, stand out a lot more. Um, but she also, uh, like I said, there was a big break in between. Like, I had the full idea for the story and the character and the world and everything in 2016. And then there was a huge break before I wrote it in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that was just last year. Um, <laughs> feels like a lot has happened since then. <laughs> a lot has happened. The entire world has changed. <laughs> Everything's different. In many, many ways, yeah. Um, so there was a huge difference. So, you know, a lot of people kind of ask about the similarities between me and Riley. She's a lot more like the person that I used to be. Uh, she's kind of how I was afraid I was going to grow up. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that, like, as an adult now in that spot, I, I can see the differences where I've maybe done a little bit better and of course the areas where I've done worse you know but I, a lot of myself has ended up in Riley in that way uh she's a lot like how I was at like 18 or so 
And uh, the other thing about her is that a lot of her work, because when I actually sat down to write it, I had to have like a whole career for her that was different than my career because we ended up in two different places. A lot of her projects and history are like ideas that I had that got scrapped and things that I had wanted to do at some point and didn't get around to and stuff. And I think that's the way... That's like that I'm most intimately connected to Riley, you know, was it's like some of the early like gut reaction tweets and stuff were things that I had set aside for a different project. And, you know, like uh, there, there are just a lot of things like that going through Riley's career and fleshing that out was um, she has a lot of me in her in that regard. Yeah. That's yeah. It's interesting that like she like, I don't know. Cormac was just saying it's like this book is a bit of a time capsule like society wise but yours is a little bit of a time capsule personally as well so yeah. that was deep as hell Chelsea Aww. oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> guys I am smart sometimes <laughs> so uh Kat where can our listeners buy this wonderful little book uh so I have the link on my website um Cormac has the link on the archive website. I've been telling people to get it from Big Cartel if they're doing the um, physical, and I've been telling people to do Godless uh, if they want the Eve book, just because I love Godless so much, and I'm excited that I'm on there. Um, <laughs> Cormac might have a very different financial answer that makes a lot more <laughs> sense. We also love Godless. Shout out to Godless. But anyway, Cormac, you answer. <laughs> Big Cartel is the best for physical. Big Cartel and Kofi both work. Those are the two where I have complete control over what's happening. If you are receiving book from there, it has been in my house. Um, I used to say house. It's an apartment. But um, <laughs> it, any any other channel, because Ingram also has its own channels, I have no control over. I have no idea what's happening. Um, but Big Cartel is the best because then also if something happens, I can be like, hey, there's a delay or hey, there's an issue with shipping. Like we had chip uh, printing issues initially. I was quietly panicking um, the entire time as I tried to get a bunch of books to us and it was stuck in purgatory for a while. But like I could you email You were very much before. not alone. So <laughs> yeah. I know it yeah. doesn't feel that oh, way good. in the moment, but a lot. Of, I mean. Just if you go on Twitter, I feel like most publishers these days are like, oh, yeah, Ingram screwed I, us. Yeah, I'm actually in an anthology that just it, we had our uh, digital release like a month ago and the editor has just given up and switched to KDP for the physical because <laughs> oh, Ingram sucks. just like would not let it out of purgatory. Not, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah no, recently uh, we the other thing with Ingram is we got an order of books and I opened it up and it was sharing God's big love with little people by Miss Patty Cake praise. Uh, and I had to sit there going, how do I tell Miss Patty Cake praise? Hey, you have our horror. Can we have them? I feel like um, we might have just traumatized Miss like... Patty Cake praise. Sorry, Miss Patty Cake. Maybe we indoctrinated her. Let's go that way. Now she's a horror fan. Yes. <laughs> I, I, better world. But yeah, a Big Cartel is best for us because then I have complete control and also, you know, just 
It's best because I have complete control and I'm definitely not a control freak. Why do you ask? Um, but no, it's a, I, I have more ability to like communicate with people and also I know what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, digital, do whatever you want. Uh, there's We're on Itch.io, we're on Godless, and we're on Big Fratello. The only thing with Big Fratello is I have to do it manually or well, someone has to do it manually, someone with the email account. And so it might take a second. But we will be there eventually. Um, um, Kat, where are you? You mentioned that you're coming out in, a, in an anthology. Where else are you coming out? Uh, that, <laughs> that was a weird way to ask the question. But I'm already out, I think. Um, <laughs> ship is where can sailed find on that your one. upcoming work? Um, <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, we should any day now have physical editions of that anthology. That would be that old house, uh, colon the bathroom. It's a series of anthologies that does, uh, room by room horror. Uh, so the first one is all horror stories that take place in the bathroom. Uh, there's actually going to be a second volume of that one, I think, before they move on to other rooms. Um, I'm going to be in Dark Blooms soon, which is a coming of age horror. Yes. <laughs> Had a feeling of you know about Yay! that one. Uh, and that's edited by Ruth Anna Evans. It is. Uh, and I think it will be available through her site and Amazon when it launches. But I have forgotten what date that is because I am not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll tweet about it. Ruth Anna <laughs> has got us covered. She's it'll it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I have a second novella coming out sometime next year. Um, I don't have a release date for that either, but it's called The Lore Keeper. Um, and news about that will be on my website as well. So, is oh, that... D&T. Yeah, D&T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> oh, that. Okay. Have siblings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So is your second novella going to be like standard standard seems now like a dirty word but is it going to be kind of in a funky format as well or uh it was no i'm just gonna say no because i feel like anyone that's read revenge arc is already going to be really disappointed uh when they see at the at the time that i wrote the lord keeper it was actually uh the first thing that i started querying um it did not get picked up in a timely manner because it it's filled with it was like how many hard cells can i work into <laughs> like twenty five thousand words and the answer is a lot i can i can work a lot of them oh my god <laughs> um but at the time like when i wrote it i thought i was being very daring with the formatting i was like this is a cool stylistic choice that i'm making uh here i've got like snippets of letters <laughs> like i thought i thought it was like peak creativity at the time um it's very tame in comparison to what i've been doing i think cool. but it's uh yeah awesome then, i can't wait to check that out so you mentioned your website can you tell us what your website is and oh, or yeah. and your socials where we can follow <laughs> yeah. you Drop uh it. that is catvalor.com uh c-a-t-v-o-l-e-u-r which i always spell for people because it's french and then <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X at cat underscore Valor. And then like Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky. It's all just cat Valor. No underscores, no dashes. Um, yeah. Cool. Excited to see what else you come out with. Um, and then switching over to Cormac, given that you are a found footage fanatic and supporter, I'm curious um, if you have any 
found footage-esque or epistolary book recommendations for our listeners besides Revenge Arc, of course. Yes, of course. Re- obviously, Revenge Arc, that is required. Uh, if you can't say you're a fan fiction fan without it, yep, that's the facts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, there's there's several, and I think it really depends on the angle you're coming at it from, like what you like most about it. Um, the graphics editor, actually, for Arc of the Young, yes, there's another one of us. Um, there's actually several, but uh, is currently reading S by Doug Dorst. And oh, it okay, is- yes. Yeah, it is giant and sweeping and terrifying, and I will one day read it, but right now I'm afraid. Um, So that's technically a a, a recommendation from someone else. Um, (laughs) There's also, I'm trying to think, uh, I still need to finish The Disappearance of Tom Nero. I just got distracted by work, unfortunately. Uh, I will be coming back at it. It's interesting because there are a lot of books I really love that are part fan fiction. Like I just finished Jackal by Aaron A. Adams, and that was there would there were snippets of fan fiction in there, and I really enjoyed that. But like, it's not the entire book. Most of the book is is standard prose. Yeah, it's pretty common. How about any movies? Do you have a favorite fan fiction movie besides Lost Tapes from Animal Planet? <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, I I do not watch movies. Uh, it's tragic no i i have a visual issues so i can't handle a lot of visuals um got it so i just sit there going this is probably great but if there's a flickering light it'll kill me oh no which is like the worst for found footage because everything's like a little jarring and like yeah it was like when everyone was talking about skinamarink i'm like hey that sounds (laughs) great um i might get a summary Yeah, can you imagine trying to summarize Skinner? <laughs> no. <laughs> I really love the effort put into the explanations. Really love the hustle there, but yeah, no, it uh, does not make more sense without oh. the visuals. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know I was walking into that, but hey, you are not no, alone. Okay. So I appreciate that. Um, and where can we keep in touch with Archive of the Odd? Uh, Archive of the Odd is Archive of the Odd everywhere. It is just, uh, well, okay, no, that's not quite true anymore. Uh, <laughs> it is Archive of the Odd, all one word, dot com, on Twitter. Uh, we just got our Instagram. Um, however, on Blue Sky, I was not clever and I signed it up under my name. So it is still Cormac Baldwin, one word. Uh, one day I will put together an actual press one as opposed to just using my own. But now, and, like, well, now you gotta different. wait for like the invite code and all the things. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. And I, yeah. But cool. yeah, so we're mostly Archive of the Odd. And if awesome. you search Archive of the Odd, we're the only one. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like Instagram could be a really, like, given that you're found footage focused, could be a really cool um, place to promote yourself. Not being an expert, just a consumer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to use Instagram. I'm an old man, an old soul. <laughs> an old soul, not an old man. We've already revealed your age. All righty. Well, we appreciate both of you joining us today. This has been the Cutthroat Queens, and you are welcome. <laughs> I'm a victim of an organized you know
know it is true, you know this time you're never gonna get it But you already stole my heart Yeah, you ripped it and tore it